What is up, guys? Alex from Creates here. Welcome back to the Creates podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about something that is, uh, when you're learning your process, becomes very important. And I've been noticing a lot of this. And this is, you know what? This is actually kind of a follow-up episode to my recent episode about learning from social media. And I find that what I'm about to talk about is uh, is kind of a, um, a spin-off of that and, a, and what's happening because of social media and because of these f- fine-tuned things. And that is knowing your process and knowing that it's not a set of steps. And one thing that, that social media seems to bring to light or that, that people seem to think uh, social media brings to light is the fact that there are steps to different things. And if you watch enough tutorials or enough videos or see enough little clips on social media or whatever, which is the general way people learn nowadays is by following steps and learning through tutorials or learning through social media posts. That's a big way to learn, especially audio engineering these days. And the one thing that you, you find yourself, if you don't have external people helping you and you're just following somebody online who's not actually giving you feedback based on what you're doing or can explain it uh, specific to your situation or anything like that, when you're just following steps in a video, you start to think that steps are how you do it. There is steps to different things. Now, there are steps for certain things. Yes, you follow a certain, uh, a certain way of doing things to accomplish a certain sound, let's say. But what people are seeming to forget is that that's not the only way to achieve that sound or something else. And that, that it's all about experimentation, especially as a producer and an engineer. And you know, this goes with songwriting as well. You don't have to follow the formula of a song. If you find that it sounds good to mess up the formula, to mess up the structure and change it up, if you find it sounds good, then it's good. Then it's fine. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I find that a lot of people, especially in learning engineering and production, they start to think this is the way that it has to be. These are the steps I have to follow to achieve X sound or to uh, record vocals or to mix vocals. I have to have a compressor, then an EQ, then a reverb, and then a delay or whatever. And there are a million different ways to accomplish different things. And it drives me a bit nuts because I see this in social media. And then you see the keyboard warriors, as I talked about in this social media episode, you see those people who defend that way of operating without, uh, just, just, that's the way that it is without actually knowing anything other. Um, they don't experiment. They think that, you know, because the tutorial said, do this, this, and this, and then select this preset and then it'll sound good. They, if it doesn't sound good, they think that the guy is, uh, it's dumb and doesn't know what he's talking about in the tutorial. And if it does sound good, they think that's the only way to do it, but they are actually kind of in the middle ground where it doesn't sound bad maybe, but it doesn't sound as good as it could be or as specific as it could be for that sound potentially. That being said, maybe it does. But, you know, the thing that I find happening a lot is people think, oh, this sounds good and they leave it at that. They don't try and achieve more. They don't try and get further because they don't actually, one, don't understand what they did to get there and they're not seeking out that knowledge, um, which is also part of the problem. But they think that that is where it is and that's because this guy said this this is the way to do it. They don't, uh, they think that that's the only way. And it's not, it's not at all. Um, you know, music creativity, and, and this is kind of the reminder is music creativity is not a step-by-step process. It's not a one, two, three, and this is the way to go. I even put out tutorials as well, where there is a step-by-step process of some description. And for certain plugins, there are step-by-step ways to edit something, let's say, but that's not, you know, the general way to do things in when you're mixing. It's not step by step at all. It's not paint by numbers. It's not that way of thinking. You can't think that way because you're just going to make a cookie cutter sound like everybody else. You're just going to sound the same 
and probably not even the same, a worse version of whatever you're watching, whatever the tutorial is, because every single thing uh, that you do that anybody does is going to be different. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of professional, uh, a, a lot of professional engineers and they do the clinics and all that kind of stuff. And people are asking, what EQ point did you use? What EQ did you use? What compressor did you use? How much did you compress? What was your settings on the compressor? All that kind of stuff. And they're, they're asking for specifics. And I've seen the engineers kind of go, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter because a U67 might sound great as a, on a vocalist that I worked with, but it might sound like trash on the vocalist that you're working with. If you, if you're using it, you might sound better with a 57, you know, it doesn't matter. And, um, you know, sometimes they, they, I have seen them, you know, just, just answer the questions and just get the people. Cause then people write it down and they copy the settings and, you know, and, and there are people like that out there, but my reminder, I guess, in this podcast is don't be like that. Try to expand your knowledge understand the principles behind it and the fundamentals and the foundational knowledge that those engineers are bringing to the table, that they're showing you, not the step-by-steps and the exact numbers that they're using, the exact EQs that they're using or plugins that they're using, all that kind of stuff. You have to be able to understand what's going on to be able to think on your feet, because as an engineer, you have to think on your feet. As a producer, you have to think on your feet. When an artist or your own brain, frankly, says, I want to do something like this, you have to be able to accomplish that without a preset. If you're in a new studio with completely different gear or different plugins or whatever, you need, still need to be able to um, understand that. And I think that's part of the reason that, that people don't think about this is because they all have a laptop with their plugins and their software and it's the way that it is. But I can tell you as a professional, I go to different studios. I go to different people's uh, houses and work on their systems. I go to, to I, just tons of different stuff. And especially when I'm doing these tutorials, I have to think about what it, what is it that everybody has access to? Not what is the fast way that I've learned how to do this? <laughs> you know, what shortcuts have I programmed into my computer that makes this easier? I can't show you that. I can't tell you that because you don't have the same workflows as I do. And that's why a lot of my tutorials, even on, on my YouTube channel, I have a, a, a I try and label them as a workflow, a workflow. It's not the workflow. It's not the way to do things because it's a workflow and it fits in with my overarching workflows that I use. And that's really, really important. And, you know, knowing your process and finding your own process and then building everything else around that process and everything supports your process and everything is, is just, it flows within that process. I've worked with tons of people who do, you know, something very different. And I'm like, ah, oh, that would be really cool. But when I try and apply it to my workflows and my uh, creativity and everything, it just doesn't work. It doesn't fit. It doesn't, the shortcuts don't work because I've programmed the shortcuts differently. The process itself doesn't work. The routing doesn't work. The plugins, they just don't jive with what I do. Um, you know, I can't mix a vocal in a way that somebody else said, when it doesn't fit on top of the track, the way that I've mixed the track, maybe I don't like the way they mix the track, but I like the way they mix the vocal. Well, it's all dependent <laughs> because the vocal sound fits on top of the track. So it doesn't work if the, you know, I've had some people say, can, you know, uh, I've, I've done some, some vocal mixing where you mix the vocal on top of a track. And, and I've had some people kind of go, I really like this mix, but can you alter Can you change the reverbs? And, and, uh, from the engineer that I had before, I really like theirs, but can you, you know, change the reverbs? It's like, well, no, because that's the reverbs are part of my sound or part of the process that I'm doing. I can't change the vocal itself and keep the reverbs the way that you had them because the way that I've made the whole sound of the vocal is going to be affected by the reverbs and the reverbs are going to affect it. So 
you know, it doesn't work that way. Tell me what you like about it. Why you like those reverbs. What are you hearing? Do you like them because they're brighter? Do you like them because they're duller? What is it that you like about them? What are they achieving in the vocal sound that you like? Because then I can recreate that in my own way within this vocal sound that I'm creating. But I can't be as specific as keep the reverbs, change the, the EQ on the vocal. I, it doesn't quite work that way for the most part. Um, and it, it shouldn't work that way. This is not, you know, it, like I said, it's not paint by numbers. You can't just change one square and, and the other one is fine. It looks, this, it, you can't do that. <laughs> it doesn't work. Um, so, you know, creativity and, and being able to think on your feet is about trying things. And that's where I think people are, are starting to lose some of this because of, social media posts because of what they're hearing, all that kind of stuff. Um, because they're, they're thinking about step-by-step -step processes and rules, which there aren't very many rules. There are, there's basically no wrong way to do things. Well, okay. Let me put it this way. There are some wrong ways to do things because if you clip, you know, if you're putting a microphone into a, uh, in your interface and you just dime the, the preamp and it just distorts, that probably is not going to be good to, uh, you know, achieve a nice clean vocal sound. That's, that's going to sound bad. It, it That's just going to sound bad. <laughs> but that being said, I do overdrive Neve preamps for the sound of that. You know what I mean? So it's not that overdriving preamps is bad. It's just, if it sounds bad, it's not good. There is no rule. There's no wrong ways to do things. There's just different outcomes that you can get. There's no right way to do things or the right way to do things. There are a bunch of ways to accomplish whatever you are looking to accomplish within your set scenario, within your mix, within your production. And you need to be open to that. That's why I, uh, I I'm not a big fan of presets in the way that people use them. I love presets. I use presets all the time, especially with synths. Synths, uh, synth presets are very important, but EQ presets I don't love and compressor presets I don't love. Um, that kind of stuff, because here's why. Because people often look through the presets and go to the drum subcategory and then pick fat snare and put that on and think my snare is gonna sound big. And that's where they leave it. That's not entirely true. That's an EQ on the snare. Normally my snare has four plugins on it, three plugins on it. And then it has a reverb and then it has a drum bus. And then it, there's a whole bunch of other factors. The other, the whole drum kit has to sound good. Not just the snare being fat. If you solo it, sure, it'll sound big, but that that's one thing, you know, it has to be good in the context of the song. So I don't like presets because people do that, where they pick big snare and that is the big, that is the preset that they use. They don't alter it. They don't understand what it actually did and they just leave it. And then it just kind of, it's a mishmash of presets that are not dialed into the actual sound that you're dealing with. When, you know, artists or, or producers have, uh, producers have presets that they have, you know, the, the name of big snare, um, they use that as a starting point. I use presets all the time. I save my own presets all the time as a starting point. So I know big snare, I'm often going to boost some top end. I'm going to take out some of the mids and I'm going to boost some bottom end. I know that. And I know roughly the, uh, frequency ranges that I like to do that in. I know roughly the compression that I need. So I'll plop that on to get me started. So I don't have to turn every knob that I want to turn every single time. But then from that, I load the preset and then I tweak exactly which, which frequency exactly how much compression, exactly where the thresholds are, exactly how much boost, because it all depends on the sound that I'm putting into it. And a lot of these, these, uh, presets don't, they can't account for every sound that you would want to put into it. And every sound that's recorded ever sounds different. You know, you can record a drum kit one day, touch nothing, touch no preamps, touch nothing in the room, touch no microphones and come back the next day. And it, the drums kit will sound different. Why? Because the player's playing different 
the sticks are different. The, the heads are slightly more dead because you played it once the, whatever it is, there's, there's so many different options, which means you can't even account. You can't even make your own sound sound the same half the time when you use it. I mean, yes. Okay. You know, soft synths and stuff, those sound the same. There's no, there's no character in those, but there's, there's often there's, there's compressors that if you use it over the course of vocal session, it sounds different. The character sounds different because the tubes warm up. Right. So like you can't even, there's no set and forget in, in some of these things. And there's no setting that just fits everything that you do. Um, so this is my reminder, I guess, to you and to everybody and to myself, to, to anybody listening, you have to change things. You have to try different things. You have to keep experimenting. Now, that being said, it is important to find processes that you like, sounds that you like, things that you like, and you can start from there most of the time, but continue to change, continue to try new things, adding little bits and pieces to this, altering one plugin every time or a setting every time or something that's new every time. Try new, new effects units, try whatever just keep trying different things. Um, don't set and forget. Don't go, this is my vocal chain and that's it. And these are the settings and done because it might sound good. Yes. I'm not saying it won't sound good. It'll be dialed in and it, it might be small tweaks to tweak it to the, to the, to what you're doing, but it's, it'll sound better if you just tweak it and, and, and make it fit exactly what you're doing right then and actually tailor it to what you're working on. It will never be exactly the same. Well, it might be exactly the same, but that's a fluke more than a, a rule, um, to what you're doing. Um, one of the things that I hear a lot, uh, is, you know, they, people, people have the, the process of, um, signal chains and they think that this is the rule. This is the way that it works. And I often hear, you know, you have to have an EQ after a compressor, or people think that you have to have an EQ before a compressor or that delay goes before reverb or reverb goes before delay that people have different ones. Um, or that you can't compress after a reverb or that you, you know, there's a million different things like that. Um, and they're all false. There is no right way to do any of those things. Every one of those things makes a different sound. Every one of those options makes a different way uh, that, that, that it sounds. If you compress after a, a reverb, if you want a clean vocal and you want it to be really in your face and compressed, yeah, maybe don't compress after a reverb on that same chain because it's going to bring out a lot of reverb, but maybe that's what you want. Maybe you want a lot of reverb to come out and be, be, have that sound. Everything you do is going to have a different sound. If you don't experiment, you're not going to find those sounds. You need to drag plugins and reorder them wherever you can. Try different orders of things, try different settings, go extreme, go minimal, whatever it is, um, you know, and push your boundaries, push your knowledge in that way. That's how you're going to find things that you like. That's going to how, how you're going to find your own processes. And then once you know that process, then you can kind of figure out and, and start there. Uh, especially in early days of production and, and as you're learning, you, you can't get sucked into, this is the only way to do it. And I find too many people, they don't understand that when they're getting started, they think because, because Joe Schmo on YouTube told them you have to have an EQ before the compressor. If you compress the other way, it doesn't work. And that's false. And then they stick with that and they never experiment outside of that box. And then they go, how does that sound get made when they're listening to some record? And you're like, oh, they compressed after a reverb that they EQ'd with a side chain. And they're going, what? How? That's wrong. They can't do that. And it's like, well, they can <laughs> actually, they very much can. Uh, and they do. And you, the one way you're doing things is going to give you one set of sounds. And that's kind of it. You need to experiment. You need to open up your mind. You need to find your processes that you like, but not get sucked into, 
uh, everything like none of these rules are set in stone. They're, they're rules to achieve or they're guidelines, I guess. They're not even rules. They're guidelines is a better way to put it to achieve a certain sound. And then you need to experiment beyond that. You need to try different things and go, okay, this is what they told me to do. This sounds good, but let me try something else and make mistakes. You might reorder something. You might change the setting and go, oh, that sounds way worse. That's fine. Now you know that that's what, but you, you now know that sounds worse, but you also now know what that setting does. You need to experiment with these different settings. You need to experiment with the different knobs on the plugins and the gear that you're using and figure out what they do so that as an engineer and a producer on the fly, when you come up with an idea or when an artist says something, or when you're trying to achieve a certain sound, you know, what's possible, you know, what might work to achieve that sound. You have tried this stuff on your own accord and figured out, made all these mistakes. So you don't do that when the client is there, but you also have more ideas. If they say, I want a really big reverbed vocal, um, with, you know, where it kind of pops out when I'm not singing. Well, then now, you know, if I compress a reverb, that'll happen. That's not a great example, but you get my point where you now know these different weird, wacky scenarios. The other thing that I see with presets too, is people throw only presets that are labeled. So if they want a big snare, they only use the drum category and the big snare category, but they don't use the, you know, big guitar preset, which honestly I've had sometimes where that sounds phenomenal on, you know, a drum bus or something. And you know, yeah, maybe it makes more, it takes more tweaks, but it gets you to think outside the box. It gets you to think about different things as well. What does it do to the sound? And what do I actually really like with that? I, that I would never have done on my own. And then I can use that with, uh, with other, other plugins or other methods. And now that I know, Ooh, man, if you boost the top end on the guitars by, you know, 15 DB, that sounds amazing. And, you know, into a compressor, that sounds phenomenal. I would never have tried that maybe, but if I picked the wrong preset to that was meant for guitars, uh, or meant for drums or meant for vocals or something. Um, and it did that by mistake, you could call it. Now I know that now I have something else to play with. Now I have a new setting that I'm like, Oh, maybe that would work. And I can play with that for a while. So don't get set into the presets that are labeled exactly for what they are, try other things. And some of them are going to sound, most of them, frankly, a lot are going to sound like crap, but that's okay. You learn why they sound like crap. You learn what they're doing. That doesn't work with what you're doing. And you, you can use that knowledge because the more that you know, that doesn't work, the more, the closer you are to finding things that do work to knowing how to achieve a sound really fast. That sounds good. Um, but it's all about making mistakes. You're not going to find the good sound until you try sounds that aren't great. And once you find a good sound, you're not going to find a great sound unless you keep playing with it. Don't just settle, uh, instantly. You know, a lot of people settle instantly on presets and just pick the preset and that's it play with it. Give yourself 10 minutes to play with it or something like that. If you're on your own, I mean, yeah, play with it all day. Who cares? <laughs> you know, you have time and that's exactly how you learn. Uh, when I used to work at Noble Street, I did a lot of different things where after the client would leave, I would get to play in the studio or on days off, I would go into the studio and I'd, I'd mess around. I'd, I'd mic up a guitar in random ways. I'd try things that I saw online or saw the engineer that I did do, or things that I saw the engineer do that I didn't love, but I thought maybe I could try this with it or try that with it. And I would do that. I would come in on my days off and I'd play with stuff. And most of the time that didn't amount to anything but I learned a lot that way. That is how, that is how I learned most of what I know by taking what I learned from engineers, the way they were doing it, because they're doing it the way they know is going to work for the client that they're working with most of the time. Cause when you have a client in the room, you need to, you know, get things moving. 
but I would take that and I would then experiment with it further. And that would, that's how I developed my sound and my processes and the way that I approach production and the way that I approach different things. You know, even when I go for vocal editing, when I'm doing vocal editing or, or guitar editing or anything like that, you'd think there's a process for this. There's one way to do it. But even in that, I tried different settings. I tried different uh, ways of doing things. I've tried different plugins that achieve the same kind of sound, but different to even in editing different ways to do it and uh, different processes. And that's how I've made the process that I have now. Yes. Did I learn a bunch of it from people? Absolutely. But have I tried stuff to either learn something new or uh, reinforce the fact that I'm doing it the right way and the fastest way and the best sounding way? Yes. I do that all the time. Almost, you know, at least once or twice, every time I edit a vocal, I try something different and, and sometimes I have to revert. I try things because I, I need to figure out faster, better ways to do things or better sounding methods to do things. How does this sound? If this plugins first or that plugin, or how does this work? What are the different settings and what are they doing in this declicking module? Or if it's this de declicking module, whatever it is, there's no set way, even though vocal, for instance, vocal editing sounds like it that would be the process. And once I found my good process, that's how I'm going to stay at. I still need to keep reassuring myself that that is the good process and that there isn't something better out there because everybody does this differently. So, you know, there's no way to say this is the only way to do things. So I guess my biggest advice and the lesson from this is don't think of rules as set in stone. Think of them as guidelines to achieve a certain sound, then take that and play with it. Do it on your own, play with this, play with the plugins, play with the settings and alter them and change them and try different things, make mistakes and see what it gets you. Learn the, the plugins that you're doing. And I've said this many, many times, learn your tools so that you can understand them and use them to achieve better things than just picking presets. Um, play with it, experiment. That's how you're going to find your sound. And that's going to, how you're going to find your process of doing things. I have, I, I'm not, I'm not saying I don't have a process for mixing vocals. I don't have a way that I like to lay out my, uh, my plugins. I'm not saying I don't have that, but I'm, but I am saying that I experiment with it a lot, that I try different things a lot. And sometimes I revert back. Often I revert back to the way that I had, but I've tried different things and I've learned from that. And that's the important part with this. Don't stick to one thing because you found it worked and, or somebody told you it worked. Try things and keep trying things because this is all about experimentation. Um, you know, often what I would do and what I still do, and this is, this is a good idea is, you know, you don't have to do this with clients, especially when they're in the room. Um, this is find you know, uh, find your own projects. If you're working in your own music, that's where to, to do this. That's where to screw around, try things. If a song takes a month too long, that's okay because you're doing it on your own time, but you have to do it on something. You have to learn on something so that you can, you have more to offer your clients. If, if that's your, um, your clients may be actual artists or it might be your own brain, <laughs> you know, um, that's okay, but you have to keep trying things and you have to keep allowing things to, uh, to, to allowing things to happen, to see what you like and where it can go and, uh, how you discover stuff. That's how everything that we know in the music industry, that's how it became is because somebody tried it. Somebody pushed the limits of the gear they were using of the plugins of the, of the hardware, whatever it is, they pushed the limits and went, Oh my gosh, this sounds amazing. You know, if somebody, if, if we had, if Neve came out and all the engineers were like, well, I can't overdrive it because that's, you can't overdrive preamps and nobody did it. We wouldn't have a lot of the warmth in the drum sounds that we have nowadays. We wouldn't have half of the stuff we have today because nobody would, would, would push that. 
But because they did that and went, oh my God, if you overdrive a Neve, it doesn't sound bad. It sounds absolutely amazing and warm and crunchy and, oh, this is great. And then somebody took that and developed it even further and said, well, if I compress something and then shove it into an Eve and use that as a back bus on something else and, and, you know, parallel processing with the original sound, I can really warm it up. And they, they took it to the next level. Then somebody else took it to the next level and you keep trying things. And that's how we develop the plugins that we have today. That's how we develop all this gear because you, you push something so far that it doesn't make sense to do that anymore. And then somebody makes that a new piece of gear, a new piece of software. And so what I'm saying is do the same thing with your process, do the same thing with your sounds, do the same thing with everything that you are doing creatively, try and push it to the next level. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to, to step off script of what somebody told you in a tutorial and try it and, and, you know, understand the mistakes or the, or the wins that you made while doing that. And that's the key is actually really understanding and trying to understand, seeking out that knowledge as you understand that. So hopefully that was inspiring. Hopefully that gave you something to think about and make sure that you actually don't think of things as set in stone. Uh, there are no rules. There are absolutely no rules in music creation. There are only different ways to try things and different sounds that can be achieved. So go forth and experiment and make a ton of bad sounds so that you find some good ones. <laughs> that's the, that's how this all works. So, uh, but that is it for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe if you haven't already. And if you haven't listened already or, or checked it out, we now have a podcast YouTube channel with uh, the video version of these podcasts. So go check that out. The Anna Creates podcast. Uh, on YouTube. Uh, you can link, you can find the link through my uh, main channel as well. So go check that out. I will see you in the next episode. Until then, always be creating.